For over 45 years, Pensacola Christian College has set aside some time each spring semester for Bible conference. These days of concentrated study and preaching from the Word of God are a time of spiritual enrichment for our students, faculty and staff, and many others who join us for these services. We're pleased to welcome you to the PCC Bible Conference. Romans chapter number one, if you could join me there. I count it a privilege and an honor to be invited to speak along with these other pastors here for Bible Conference this year. To me, like talk thank you, lo line blow me, lo Papua New Guinea, you joining me below the live stream. Those of you that don't speak pidgin, I just thanked them for joining me from over there. I think you probably picked up on that. I wonder if you've ever been ashamed. Maybe you woke up late for class and had to do the walk of shame into class. You got to class and you realized, oops, I forgot my homework. I wonder if you've ever been ashamed. Maybe you saw that pretty young lady walking across campus, or ladies, you saw the good-looking young guy walking across campus. He waved. You waved back and then realized he wasn't waving at you. <laughs> wonder if you've ever been ashamed. Like many young people have, I had the privilege of taking music lessons as a child from the time I was in fourth grade until I was in 10th grade. I did music lessons every week, and my dad, because he was paying for my music lessons, made sure that I practiced, and so every day, 30 minutes to an hour, I practiced, and uh, my brothers, they got to do the nice instruments like a trumpet, a clarinet, and I have grown to be ashamed of the instrument that I played, because for seven years I took music lessons on an accordion. I knew it would get that response. Thank you. I've been trying to tell my parents that for a long time. When I came for Missions Conference, a very kind man on staff here at PCC donated an accordion for me to take back to my mom. There in the Rand House, my daughter and son-in-law, who are on staff here at PCC, came to the Rand House. I took the accordion out of the case. I played it for my daughter She's grown and married. It was the first time she's ever seen her dad play an accordion. And she sat there in awe and she said, Dad, wow, didn't know you played such an awful instrument. (laughs) So thankful to the brother. Uh, If you come and see me later, I will hug your neck that you gave that instrument to my mom. Keywords being to my mom. (laughs) Thank you very much, brother. Ashamed. I wonder if you've ever been ashamed of something, and I wonder this evening as we come into our text in Romans chapter 1, I wonder if you could be honest this evening and say that maybe perhaps you've been ashamed of the gospel. The Apostle Paul drives home in a very important point in our passage for this evening. All joking aside, we, maybe you were ashamed of the gospel in that maybe there was somebody that proclaimed that they were a follower of Christ and you didn't want to be aligned with them. And so you, not that you're denying Christ, you're just happy to not have his name spoken in that context. Maybe 
you have been a poor ambassador for Christ at some point, and you're ashamed of it. Maybe you haven't realized just how fully precious the gospel is. And maybe you haven't fully understood the transforming effect on your own life. I hope as a result of our time together tonight in the scriptures that you will be unashamed of the gospel. I'll show you in Romans chapter 1 why that should be. So let's read Romans chapter 1, verse number 15. The Apostle Paul is writing here to a church that he's never been to. Uh, It's very unique for him and his ministry. See in verse number 15, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. As I look at this two verses, especially verses 16 and 17, I see the Apostle Paul saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And he gives us two very clear reasons why. It's the power of God unto salvation. And I'll summarize verse 17. It's also the power of God unto my sanctification. It's for both my justification and it's also for my sanctification. For therein is the the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. And I'll unpack that as we go. But before we see why we can be unashamed of the gospel, I think it's worth us taking a pause and saying, what is the gospel? So often I think we use words without having the taken the time to drill down into it. And if I'm honest tonight, I think very realistically, if you cannot clearly explain the gospel, there's a very good chance that it has not impacted your life. I hope that you hear those words. If you cannot clearly explain the gospel, most likely it has not impacted your life. What is the gospel? The very word gospel, the very word evangelion, euangelion, glad tidings, good news. The word just, it's a message and it means it's come to me and where I had bad news. What was my bad news? Oh, my bad news was that I had sin that separated me from a holy God. He's oh so infinitely holy he's set apart and he cannot look upon my sin oh friend my sin comes from my federal head Adam all the way back in the garden you remember God gave one command to Adam don't eat of the tree and some people would say but oh that was such a small thing oh be careful because culture will do its best to try to get you to see things from man's view You realize God made it very simple for Adam. Don't eat of that tree. It was very simple. And in Adam eating of the tree, he rebelled against the sovereign of the universe. God, who at times would walk with man, commune with man, and Adam fell in sin. And because of sin, death passed upon all men. For that all have sinned. God's wrath abides upon the sin of man. God's wrath abides upon you because you are a sinner. Friend, 
That's God's words. Culture would have you to believe that you were born right and somehow something went wrong. No, God said you were born in sin. God's wrath abides upon your sin. And I'm thankful that we have verses in the Bible like John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God sent Jesus, planned that from the beginning, from the, before the foundation of the world. God sent Jesus to go to the cross to take our sin. The Lord Jesus, the perfect sinless one who had never done a single sin, never had a sinful thought, and he went to the cross on our behalf, and he took our sin upon the cross. God poured out, an infinite God poured out his infinite wrath upon his infinite son in the space of a few hours on the cross. And the Lord Jesus took our sin. Oh, friend, this is the gospel. The fact that I don't have to take my sin, Jesus took it for me on the cross. And if I will but believe in him, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God put Jesus on the cross, placed his wrath upon my sin on the cross, and then if I will but trust in him, I get his righteousness. This is a glorious truth. You remember the last part of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the gospel. The gospel is the only thing that will transform lives. It's the only thing. Nothing else in the world will ever transform lives. As a missionary, I see all sorts of attempts of social action. You can put a well in a village. You can help them with a hospital. You can reform education. You can help with voting in good Christian politicians. None of those will change the heart. They're all band-aid attempts at heart surgery. It takes the gospel to transform a heart. You say, what, what about money? If somebody had enough money, perhaps they wouldn't continue to live in crime Oh no, 1 Timothy 6 makes that oh so clear. The love of money will drive a person to be pierced through in their soul. will drive them away from loving Jesus. What about love? And maybe if you love them, love will help transform them. And that's currently where a lot of Christianity is going. We just need to carry the message of love. Oh, love is a part of the gospel, but love is not the gospel. You can love somebody, if they don't accept it, it will end in resentment. So what do you mean by that? Maybe something like this, maybe you show love to someone, they don't accept it, and you show love to someone, and they don't accept it, you show love to somebody, and eventually you're going to resent them for it. You see, love is not the solution. Love does not transform hearts. The gospel transforms hearts. The gospel will transform lives. Nothing will transform like the gospel. And the Apostle Paul knows it. He can't wait to get to Rome so that he can preach the gospel to these people. And the majority of them are believers. 
So I can't wait to get to you. And when I come, I'm going to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome. He knows that the gospel transforms lives. And he's not ashamed of it. This, when he writes, he's in his third missionary journey as he writes this. He has not been ashamed of the gospel. And I think there's plenty of evidence to notice that because all throughout his other missionary journeys, he's been carrying the gospel at a great cost. Even right after his own salvation, having to be let out of Damascus with a basket. And then he carries the gospel into Galatia and they stone him. They carry him out, drag him out of Lystra and Derby, supposing him to be dead. And other times he's in Ephesus, his own words, he was face to face with a lion, and three times he was beaten with rods, and in Philippi, you remember he was scourged and placed into stocks in jail overnight. In Athens, they laughed at him in his face as he preached the gospel, and before this is over with, he will be imprisoned for years and shipwrecked twice and bitten by a poisonous snake and his head will be cut off. You see, he understands that the gospel transforms lives. And you see, if the gospel did not transform lives, he would have no reason to go through all that costliness to carry the gospel. Oh friend, understand this evening, the gospel transforms lives. It changes who you are, and if it has changed you, you have every reason to be unashamed of the gospel. It makes a difference in your life. So let's have a look at verse number 16, and he gives us two reasons here in verse 16 and 17. Why is he unashamed of the gospel? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, he says in verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for... Here's the first reason, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Let me just break those phrases down. They're very simple. It is the gospel is the power of God on display in the lives of people. And as I walk through the scriptures and I see the power of God in the book of Exodus, it's described as great. And in Deuteronomy, it's described as mighty. Four times in the book of Jeremiah, the power of God is described like this. It says that God created the worlds by his great power and his outstretched arm. The book of Nahum says that he is slow to anger and great in power. Aren't you thankful that in all of his greatness of power that he is slow to anger? For therein lies the joy of the gospel. He's slow to anger and long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. And as I look back through the displays of his power throughout scriptures on day one, he spoke the light into existence, and then he harnessed it. The very light that for all of history of mankind, we have been using light to navigate the space within which we live. And then he harnesses that light so that during the day, you look for places to hide from it. And at night, you have the ability to sleep. 
He created the seas and put boundaries on the seas. And he said, that's as far as the sea will go. And then with his might and his power, parts the sea so that his people can walk through on dry ground. And he sets up kings like Pharaoh and Nebuchadnezzar and Sennacherib and Herod. And at his pleasure, knocks them back down. And then with an act that no man could ever try to emulate, deity became humanity. Oh, the Son of God. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself. God took on robes of flesh and became a man and lived a perfect, sinless life, born of a virgin, so that He could display the power of God on earth. And He walked on the water, and with one word, He says to the storm, Peace! To the widow's son at Nain, Arise, Jairus' daughter, Talitha Kumi, damsel, arise, and Lazarus, come forth. He is the one who speaks the worlds into existence with power. And then he did the hardest thing ever. He laid down his own life for you and I, and he did something that nobody's ever been able to do. He took his own life back up. It is the power. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. Deliverance, escape. Maybe you've heard the words, he was drowning and was saved. You and I in salvation receive something that was so much more than saved from drowning. For Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sins. You and I were dead in our sin, and he made us alive. If you're a believer today, the Lord Jesus made you alive by his great power. His gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And it's not just there for everybody. It's to those who believed. You don't get to just say, well, yes, I understand that Jesus died on the cross. You have to trust Him. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. So friend, if you're here tonight and you've never put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, understand that God sent Jesus to the cross to take your sin and to take your place from His punishment where He should have unleashed His wrath upon you, but instead He unleashed His wrath upon His Son. And He says, if you'll but believe in His Son, He will give you everlasting life. For by grace are you saved, Ephesians 2 says. You're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And it's by the gospel that you receive justification. You are declared as righteous as Christ because of the gospel. That's your salvation. He says here in verse number 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm going to skip over that phrase tomorrow. I'll touch that. And then verse number 17, he gives us the second reason. Why am I not ashamed of the gospel? Verse number 17, for therein, in the gospel, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. 
Why is he not ashamed of the gospel? Because he knows that it's more than just my salvation. It's more than just me being declared as righteous as Christ. It's more than just my eternal standing before God. It's also for this life. It's for my sanctification. For therein, do you hear the words? For therein, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. The righteousness of God is what He demands. The very reason you were separated from God was because you weren't righteous. He demands righteousness, and then he supplied righteousness by sending his son. This is what I mean by the gospel is for more than just salvation. It's for your sanctification. You are progressively, Romans 8, 29, being conformed to the image of his dear son by putting trust in the gospel. I believe, Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins. You took my sin on the cross. I'm now dead to sin, and I'm alive to Christ Your gospel is transforming me from faith to faith. He demands that righteousness. So when you trust the Lord Jesus for your salvation, He provides that very righteousness that He demands. And God gives you what He requires. That phrase in verse 17, He says, from faith to faith. I'll be honest, that's a bit of an odd statement. I might explain it like this. When you first put your trust in the Lord Jesus, you didn't understand everything. You didn't know justification from sanctification, from glorification, from propitiation, from any of the Asians. You didn't know any of them. But you know what you did have? I'll use some words like the Lord Jesus. Faith is the size of a mustard seed. Just had a little bit of faith. And you trusted him. You said, you know, Lord... You said that if I would trust you, that you would give me your righteousness. You might not have even fully understood that yet. I'm going to trust you, Lord Jesus, for my salvation. And then as you grew in the faith, you began to understand more. And you grew from, I'll use these words in verse 17, from faith to faith. Now listen to the words that he says in verse 17, for therein, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed. It's coming out in your life from faith to faith. As it is written, for the rest of your life, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. You see, you're growing in your faith. You trust Him to take your punishment for sin. You trust Him to take the shame of your sin. And you trust Him to take the power of your sin. And you're progressively moving from faith to faith. And the righteousness of God is being revealed in your life. Those very things that before salvation you could never get victory over now because of the gospel, you now have victory over them. And friend, I submit to you tonight, if you don't have victory over sin in your life, if you are struggling with besetting sin, hear me well, friend. The gospel is there for you to trust. The righteousness of God is there. You trusted Him for your salvation. You can trust Him for your sanctification. You say, oh, I can't do this. How in the world will I ever make it for the rest of my life? Friend, you will not go the rest of your life without sinning. That's impossible. 
That's why it's called sanctification. You're progressively becoming more like Christ. You'll never have perfection this side of glory. That's for glorification the day when the Lord Jesus comes back and takes us all to heaven in the rapture or you close your eyes in death, absent from the body to be present with the Lord. But until that day, you should be sinning less and you should be hating sin more. You should be loving the Lord Jesus and trusting the gospel more. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. I want you to hear the words that Peter said. This is 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. He's talking about our Lord Jesus, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. You see, the cross is for so much more than just your salvation. And if you're not a believer, oh, I hope you find the cross as everything you need for your salvation. But if you're a believer tonight, I hope that you will see the cross as so much more than just your salvation. You see, eternal life doesn't have to start when you die. You can have eternal life now. My life is different because of the gospel. I'm so thankful for the sermon that Dr. Johnny Pope preached this morning. That point that he drove home this morning, you need to make up your mind. That's Romans 6, verse number 10. Reckon yourself indeed to be dead indeed unto sin and alive unto Christ. Because of the gospel, you are able to live differently. Listen to the words that he says there, quote from Habakkuk, as it is written, the end of verse 17, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Don't let the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel preachers get you off track with those words. I hear it a lot of times emphasized a little differently. They shall live by faith as if if I've just got enough faith and God's going to fill my pockets, make my wife healthy, make bread fall from the sky and be on my table. It's not what he says. Hear the emphasis. The just shall live. You want to know what real eternal life is? That's trust in Jesus for your life to be different. The gospel impacts your life from faith to faith, and I just trust him for today. I don't have to trust him for tomorrow's struggles and next week's besetting sins, and I don't know what your besetting sins look like. For some people, those struggles might be great, big, massive sins, and for others... Let's just be honest, brothers and sisters, tonight, for some of us, they might be labeled a little bit more respectable, but they're still sin and an affront against our holy God. And so I hope that you would be seen, trust the gospel. My old man thinks that if I do enough good things, I'll be able to outweigh my bad things. And then you fail. And you become ashamed because you think it's not worth fighting anymore. I wonder if you've been ashamed of the gospel. I think if we can be honest tonight, those times that you've been ashamed of the gospel might be those times when you did not find it to be revealing the righteousness of God 
in your life. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I guess the best way I could illustrate this, think if you somehow found the cure for cancer, and yet you yourself were lying on your deathbed dying from cancer. If you were dying from cancer and your own cure wasn't going to help you, you wouldn't tell anybody about it. You'd just lay there and die in shame. And yet we hold, brothers and sisters, the very thing, the very thing that will change our lives, the very thing that transforms lives. It will transform the lives of our neighbors and our friends and the people who don't know that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And perhaps it's because we haven't lived it out ourselves. It hasn't been the power of God for our own sanctification. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that's real living. Paul stated, Romans chapter 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. You've been listening to a Bible conference message from Pensacola Christian College. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.